Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Destiny Show Podcast, part of the Robots Radio Network, live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Robots Radio presents... Hello, Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show podcast. I am your host, Cornholio, and I want to welcome you to episode 26 of the Destiny Show podcast. We welcome Blue Crew from Focused Fire Chat, and he is the founder and host of FFC and the Lore Network. And also, Focused Fire Chat is the number one Destiny lore podcast on the planet with 173 episodes and counting. He's also the creator and admin of the Lore Network. And we're going to learn a lot more about Blue, Focused Fire Team Chat, and about Eris Morn lore. And we'll learn about some latest news from Bungie. We'll begin. First off, by welcoming my co-host Shadow Price. How's your week going? It's been uh, it's been interesting. It's been a lot of interesting gaming things happened. Uh, we just got the Switch, the light, Switch Lite announced yesterday. So one of those mystery switches finally uh, came out of a you know out of hiding. So we know what it is now. We're just waiting on that Switch Pro, and that's the one I want. So. Um, because hopefully then it'll come destiny will come to it so that's that's my hope yeah as soon as i saw that pokemon version of the switch light i kind of want it but at the same time i think they could have done a better job with the design i i think it was just kind of not the best design that i could have wanted i think there'll be other designs i think they're gonna take this and run with it they're gonna see all different kinds of crazy like you know you're gonna see one for zelda you're gonna see one for pokemon you're gonna see one for link you know you're gonna see one for like uh um what is it like like donkey kong metroid maybe when that comes out you know so yeah definitely absolutely and also, we welcome our special guest tonight, Blue from Focused Fire Chat and the Lore Network. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for being on with us. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys for having us. It's it's such an honor to have you on the podcast. Uh, we actually had Green from uh, FFC on a few months back, and we got a chance mm-hmm. to hang out and talk about what she does. And uh, it's such an honor to have you on the show as someone really enjoys your podcast pretty frequently and i learn quite a bit of lore from you guys so it's such an honor to have you on the show thank you so much for being with us no like i said i appreciate it and thank you i mean 
always always fun to get out get out from being behind our own and you know not be responsible for editing and recording someone else's podcast it's always a always a fun fun time definitely absolutely and we're excited to put you on the hot seat tonight we're going to learn a lot more about you what you do and we're going to learn about focused fire chat and how you guys got started and so much more and i'm so excited to have you on for our discussion with the guardians definitely yeah so let's begin so the first question that we have for you is how did you get started in destiny um so i got started back on day one uh actually my the i wasn't in the alpha or the beta but we like my brother and i were looking to upgrade to the xbox one and uh it was actually one of the funny funny things was our choices for free games were either diablo 3 or destiny and uh neither of us really wanted to play diablo 3 so we saw that bungie had done uh destiny and we we're like all right whatever we'll do that um so we got that for free with the with the console and that's actually how i got introduced to destiny uh and then once i got in i was also at that time my son was just about to be born so i got started with the uh there is a clan called dads of destiny uh and i actually got started with the dads of destiny and then that basically translated into focus fire chat um that was back i think we i think we started recording focus fire uh October 2015 I think was our first technically our first recording uh very rocky I I mean as much as I would ensure I would I would hope that people would go back and listen to it I also warn people it's very rocky we didn't really know what we were doing um basically what we started off doing was we were doing the uh lore discussions within the DoD admin clan or admin chat over on band and we kept continuously getting yelled at because we were wasting everyone's time uh because we would flood the the conversation with uh with lore chat and so we after after a couple weeks of having missed thousands of messages because they weren't paying attention the admins basically told us to get out and so we were like all right fine we'll start our own chat and that was when justin willie and i kind of got together and um and started the focus fire chat uh it started off as kind of a joke i mean it's always it's actually a long-standing joke with focused fire is that we're not very focused uh we kind of get off on tangents all the time and so as a joke we named it focus fire chat because it was also a perk within destiny and then uh and kind of what we what we started doing to kind of encouraging a little bit organ a little bit more organization was we started doing weekly topics uh and i think i think you'll notice like a lot of the lore channels out there will do something similar to that i know the destiny lore reddit has started doing it um you know in all all those all, like any chat it kind of just <laughs> helps it helps to turn or it helps uh rein in the enthusiasm about tangents and so then what we started doing we started that at oh man like i think we technically started the chat like september and one of the first things that we kind of got feedback on was, hey, we love what you guys are doing and we really appreciate you like, you know, collecting all this information, but I don't have time to, because this was all, this was at the time still all dads. Uh, so they're all parents. And, you know, a lot of times parents don't have copious amounts of free time. 
And so one of the very first requests that we got was, can you recap what you guys talked about every week and just send it to me in an audio file? And as as all gamers tend to do, we said, sure, and had no idea what we were doing. And so basically, we just started recording conversations with each other. Uh, and that's where like the introduction I kind of talk about, you know, it's it's a recap of the week long chat for anyone who was unable to participate that that's where that comes from is from the very beginning focus fire chat has always been about, you know, it's it's been mostly about the community chatting and then we the the idea of the the air quote podcast is that it's just a recap of that conversation. Now, obviously, it's it's grown a bit, um, a bit more into something. Uh, we do uh, a number of different topics. We do uh, the Focus Fire Chat still is corely focused on Destiny, but we also have a series called Extra Lore that we do uh, that takes a play, takes a step outside of Destiny and looks at other games. That's a month long chat, and then so we do that the first week. So actually, this week I'm going to be discussing Dark Siders for two hours tomorrow, and I'm still stuck my head in that lore um so yeah so every month we basically and and the cool thing is is that the community decides like we we have really no say in what we're going to talk about from week to week we just kind of put it out on a poll and whatever's the most popular response which tends to be the most like the most uh discussed item the most recent item but not all the time we've actually had some surprises recently but um that's completely determined by anyone who wants to vote on it and so yeah and that's and that's for uh focus fire so the ffc series the extra lore series and then we just started i think i think we just hit a year last week or the week before uh the top three series that we do that green is uh really kind of pushing uh we've been doing that for a year now and that's also uh we've shifted that to also being determined by the community and so i mean it's it's both uh it's a load off us because we don't have to decide what we're going to talk about but it's also sometimes interesting because we don't get to decide what we're going to talk about um so it can it can get interesting yeah i've actually participated in a couple of your uh, polls you guys are always posting on twitter at focused fire chat so if anyone isn't following them make sure to go ahead and follow blue and the focused fire chat Yeah, it's cool getting the community involved in community interaction and everything and letting people decide your fate, what you guys are going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's, so. it's one of those. It's a double edged sword, right? It's like it's like, OK, let's do. Oh, no, like, there's, there's been some there's been some fun ones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now you guys have recorded 173 episodes of Focused Fire Chat. How long have you been podcasting for? That's that's a lot of episodes. Um, so it's a hundred. I think we're at a hundred seventy three, hundred seventy. Uh, yeah, hundred seventy three. Currently, I think next, but and that's just FFC. With extra lore, we're on forty. So that yeah, we got hundred seventy, and then we split off extra lore into its own thing and started counting that one. We got forty of those, and then I think we're at like fifty for the top three. So. We got we got a pretty good we have a pretty good selection on the website, um, but I think we like I said 
started recording the first one that we published was back in October 2015. So nearly four years now. Right after the taking, well, right after the taking king came out, basically. Yeah, that was and that was when we first started. Yeah, we started we started the chat. I want to say we started it over in band way, 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 way back, um, back in like the end of August, the the September period, and then once we kind of got our hands around the actual text chat, that's when we kind of started getting requests to do the recordings, and so then we started, you know, then obviously that took a bit of time to try to figure out, you know, what and what in the nine hells we were going to do with that because we were like uh sure we'll do it but we don't have any clue like none of us had any background as audio so everything that we've done with hocus fire it's really just been kind of mostly us just figuring out as we go um same i can relate so i mean it's like it's like oh this didn't work okay let's try something out like it's that's really i mean and it which is awesome but it's also you know it can get a little stressful from time to time but yeah yeah, so it's been yeah nearly nearly four years that's amazing now do you edit all of your podcasts yep yeah wow that's i just haven't i haven't figured out like i've gotten i've gotten pretty quick like well not quick um i've gotten pretty used to like where i need to focus on it um i use audacity uh which anyone who is starting or is looking to start a podcast um please yeah let us know we we love helping everyone out um but audacity is a free it's a free program uh i i was talking to one of our one of our good friends uh at guardian con actually and and he made the comment he's like he has a love-hate relationship with audacity he loves that it's free and that's it like i mean it's it's a free program and so you get what you pay for it it's got a lot of potential um but it's it, the cost buggy. is that right. yeah it's not well yeah. it's not really buggy it's it's that like there is no there's no shortcuts like you know i i i've yeah. never used anything but audacity so i'm not really familiar with anything but like uh creating silence for instance if you have background noise or something like it's it's just like convoluted labyrinthian way of going through menus to get to it and there's no keyboard shortcut which is just the most like weird thing i i actually do programming for my day job it's just like the weirdest thing not to have in a program yeah so it's it's just stuff like that i mean you just get used to it um but yeah uh i audit ever or i i audit i edit everything and i audit things too as well actually now that i'm thinking about that um but yeah we edit everything just kind of i guess in-house if you will that's really That's cool. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for you because editing can get pretty tricky and time consuming. And I can't imagine doing over 170 episodes. That's <laughs> that's pretty incredible. So have much nice headphones. Yes, yes. We also have uh, pretty comfortable headphones. I think we have the Corsair Void. They're very yellow. Um, it's a long story I will tell you <laughs> yeah, time. it was one of the pieces of hardware that i would say again if you're starting podcasting invest in the mic and your headphones those are to me those would be the big things um i have astro a40s and i've mm-hmm. I'm, I'm i'm absolutely in love with them um but yeah between that and the mic because it's an audio format so you have to have good sound right uh, everything else you can get later as you figure it out. 
Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Well said. Kind of yes. like building a PC. You know, you have right, to like, right, right. You know, get the parts as you go. Shop the sales. Check out PC Part Picker. You know, absolutely. And Guardians, before we continue our discussion with the Guardians, I want to remind everyone that you can find the Destiny Show podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps. We're on Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Anchor, Apple, and Spotify. And we're also now live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv forward slash the destiny show and we do have a couple of quick announcements to make before we continue uh the first one is that we are now part of the robots radio network we have partnered with the awesome people at robots radio and we are going to take things to the next level with our partnership we're going to be doing some cross promotional stuff and we'll tell you uh things about their podcast so you can check out some more awesome content and that'll also allow for other guardians to find our show and help us grow our podcast so we're really excited about that and we want to give shout outs to all the awesome people at robots radio and you can check them out at robotsradio.net and the other thing is we're finally coming to patreon so you can support the show and get some really cool if you check it out at patreon.com forward slash the destiny show so do check that out when you get a chance and we're going to continue our conversation with blue from focused fire chat now blue how did you get started playing destiny um so yeah i mean like like i said i got it for free with our xbox my brother and i um, and we got the Xbox because originally we were getting the Xbox one to get the Master Chief collection. Uh, and then and then that led into Halo 5 and Halo. Halo is a big, big staple for my gaming habits, I guess would be the word for it, uh, which, of course, gives the background with Bungie. Um, and so once we once I found out that Bungie was doing Destiny, I, I immediately was like, all right, let's 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 take the plunge and jump into it. Um, and then once I started, you know, my brother, he kind of fell off with it. He, he, he's not a big fan of the, the more MMO esque type thing grinding like that is not, not necessarily up his, in his wheelhouse. Uh, so he kind of dropped off and then he, I think he came back a little bit around Taken King, I want to say, but then he, he's a, whatever he's, he's a halo player. He's a hundred percent, like very securely in the halo f- front and that's pretty much all he has time for uh so i i'll you'll often see if you ever see me online on xbox you'll see me often kind of jumping between games and it's usually halo 5 and destiny 2 um but yeah so that's that's where the whole thing kind of got introduced uh as far as lore like within the game um i've always i've always kind of been an rpg player so i gravitate more towards those story driven aspects of things um and then also being a parent now i don't have as same amount of time that i had to play the game so i still enjoy researching the game though and so having a game that has actually some really deep kind of pockets to get into as far as storytelling it was actually really nice. Um, I've I'm really pretty familiar with Halo. I'm nowhere near the level of familiarity that like Pens or 
any of the the halo lore like the hardcore lore community i'm not i'm not that level but i'm pretty familiar with the the surface level of halo uh elder scrolls i'm pretty deep into that as well for same reasons and so like you know having a new avenue i was like all right let's let's see what this is going and then diving in you know it was especially in the early days of destiny one it was very disparate between what was in game and what wasn't uh it wasn't that the story didn't exist it just wasn't communicated extremely well within the game it was predominantly told within the grimoire which you know for me was fine because i was reading it in my in my work on on you know on the fly on work so i didn't have a problem with it i understand a lot of community was not a fan of that uh it's not as big of a problem today as it was so you know kind of offering my and it just it was that niche right it was just like i was like oh well this is where the story is and everyone who was more busy playing the game was like wait what there's there's a reason we're doing all this and it's like yeah this is the reason and so it was kind of a it was you know it was just like a nice meeting of of what i was good at and what everyone else was good at and that's where it kind of came from yeah i i was doing the same thing i was reading the lore on the grimoire at work as well and that's how i like discovered bife for the first time right 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 yeah and started watching bife videos and i was just like wow he's super up on this lore so Mm -hmm. like i got got sucked into the lore myself Uh, when i first started playing it was like i i had never played a game like this before like once i got and did the raid for the first time and then just getting all this awesome loot and everything i mean i'd play borderlands but like this loot was actually special like you felt like some sort of connection to these weapons the way the lore was written onto the weapons and everything too right right like yeah. some of that you know that's that's pretty iconic and now bungie released the grimoire anthologies and they're such an amazing piece of content to read if you're not really into the lore and destiny and you can read it and you learn so many things about different characters from the past in the game and it's such an awesome awesome piece of content yeah the anthologies the anthologies have definitely done a good job of like reintroducing some of the uh some some of the older cards uh because that's where especially the first well the first volume is the only one that's out but from what it looks like with the second volume from the little snip like the couple pages that you could see at guardian con it looks like it's going to do the same same similar concept they're uh they're basically republishing like the brunt of it is republishing grimoire cards with extra bits thrown in between that kind of creates a more cohesive presentation of that story yeah yeah that's that's pretty awesome that they they have books like they're they're making books of the lore of the game and you know it's just it's just it's really cool to see that come to life and everything the way that it has yeah they they do such an incredible job with it and i'm really excited to read the second volume i actually read the first volume it took me the like pretty much i, I spent the entire day reading it and it was so so interesting to learn about the the history of where crota came from and how all that came about and you learn about uh the thorn and a lot of cool things like that and it was, it was such an awesome read now 
Blue, so what do you do in real life? What's what do you do when you're not playing Destiny or podcasting? I know you said you have a child. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that's mostly what I do is chase a six-year-old around. Uh, but no, for for profession, what I do is I am a what's what's usually referred to as a business systems analyst. Uh, so and and also a technical lead. Uh, so I work in the financial industry as basically a, a soft programmer. Uh, so what I do is I take uh, workflows or the processes that people do within the lending space, and then we translate that into a digital medium. So we're we're basically modernizing the workflows from a manual standpoint into a, a the digital age. Uh, because the the joke within there is that banking's always like ten years behind as far as technology, uh, which eh, it's pretty accurate. But what we're doing is we're basically taking everything that up until recently has been paper and pencil, really like literally paper and pencil, and we're translating that into digital mediums so that it can, you know, hopefully the end goal is that we get better reporting. So we do a lot of data analysis um, and then also we get more efficient. Uh, so hopefully, you know, the end goal is you take all this stuff, you put it into a computer program that does a lot more of it automatically, and then you can get you know, your volume can increase and therefore your, you know, your returns of investment or ROI uh, will become more uh, is, is the end goal or the desired end goal. Uh, so basically what we do or what I do is I am the person who literally will sit down with uh, various lines of business within the companies that we do interact with and then say, okay, what do you do? You know, and literally walk through every single aspect of their job and then translate that into a workflow. And then we go back and we actually design that in a computer program. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I do. A lot of, a lot of data analysis and number crunching, well, programming. Now, what kind of code do you program? Uh, I use, basically, I predominantly go through what's, uh, what's referred to as a UI or a UX uh, in a program that already exists. So we have a system that's called Capital Stream. Uh, but in cases that I do have to actually script stuff, we use a kind of a hybridization of VelocityScript and JavaScript. Uh, okay. So it's like Apache. And then we also will have to sometimes, if I have to, absolutely have to uh, use CSS. Um, and then obviously for reporting stuff, we do uh, mostly SQL. So that's usually T-SQL, uh, which is uh, the Microsoft Microsoft version of SQL. We have to interface with Oracle. I don't like to, but we have to. Uh, so I have to kind of understand both sides, both sides of the fence. But I predominantly work in T-SQL uh, for that, that component. That's really cool. Yeah, I work a little bit with CSS and Apache, um, PHP, things like that. Mostly yeah, yeah, I yeah. Uh, add on CMSs whenever I build websites. So I would have to install things like WordPress or um, some of the other major platforms. But yeah, that's, that's really cool. And now Blue, what is your favorite lore topic in Destiny and why? Um, oh, I I would say mostly centered around like the hunters, um, and it's usually it's it's like the the story like the thing that first comes to mind is Shin Malfur or Osiris like those are in Osiris isn't a hunter he's obviously a warlock, 
But um, but it's mostly because both those characters were some of the first characters that really started pushing the 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 questions of what was acceptable um, for a guardian to kind of do. And you know, and and Shin has obviously in recent months really kind of blown up. Uh, we've gotten a huge development of his story, of his interactions with the with the world in general. Uh, we kind of got that with Osiris within Curse of Osiris, um, not to the degree that I would love. I would I would love to have more information about some of the things that Osiris kind of purports and you know says and stuff like that. Um, so so as far as like my favorite i would kind of gravitate more towards the story of shin and dredge and yor just simply because we have more detail there um and then also the delivery of that particular story from a from a mechanical standpoint is has has got to be one of the most fascinating and we've we've talked to john goff who who wrote this uh a couple times about this and like the story is it's the story itself like if you read the story today it's like oh yeah this is pretty simple not really that amazing but what you what you're what you're missing with the context is if you didn't you know play this through the way from d1 all the way is that back when they first started the story we were only getting basically like drip drips of the information and they weren't in order and that was that was the coolest thing about that particular story was that we would get a, a piece of the introduction and a piece of the conclusion. And we get sometimes something in the middle. And then we get another piece of the introduction. But we never had any clue about where any of this stuff fit until I mean, and they did a really good job until like that very last card. And that was that last card was when it kind of clicked for everybody. And it was like, okay, this is the order, and this is the this is the, you know the the ending, the conclusion, and and the last you know the last word, if you will, of that story was the revelation of Rezel being Dredge and Yor, which was a huge thing because up until that point, we had been playing with the idea from from like a lore perspective, we had always been playing with the idea of like these guardians falling, and you know, but what happens, you know, and all this stuff, and then we get the answer that yeah, they are able to do really terrible things and they can do it without losing the majority of their power um and so that was a huge revelation uh and in and similar in a similar vein you kind of had osiris in the background you know kind of osiris really connected a lot of things but it was because of the mystery that it was connected it wasn't really because of anything that we were getting told um which which was both like the 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 nice thing and the disappointing thing about curse of osiris was it was like you know whenever you get clarification you're like oh that's awesome not what i was thinking and oh you know but it still you still get an answer to the question of course you have five more questions but you know that was that was kind of the thing with curse of osiris that i appreciated um because osiris was just like this vast network of connections up until that point um whereas now if you start looking at shin shin is starting to become connected in a similar fashion to a lot of things that are going on currently whereas osiris was connected to more things that were prior to our guardian yeah wasn't rezal azir originally a titan too yeah i mean 
the short answer is yes. The longer answer is that in a similar vein to Drifter, it's really hard to pin a, a specific class on him uh, because in the same vein, they existed before those classifications were really around. And so there's there's a line in one of the earlier cards that refers to it, you know, in time, people like him would be referred to as Titans. Um, but in the same vein, you see the Iron Lords kind of having uh, abilities that both defy and or, or defy the the confines of what we understand. Uh, the the classic example is Fellwinter with the uh, the knee to the face. You know, he's kind of doing the uh, the Spartan or not Spartan the uh, shoulder charge. You know, I think it's what is it Peregrine Greaves where you kick people in yeah. the face. Yeah. Um, he kind of does that with Satan. And so everyone's like, oh, yeah, what's going on here? And it's like, it's because in their in their world, that classification didn't exist. Um, they were not restricted in the way. And there's there's a huge psychological tangent. You can go down that particular path. But um, like, yeah, the, the closest thing that Rezel would be attributed to was a Titan. Uh, um, now, that also kind of is why he kind of disseminated various artifacts of Dredgenor from the other classes is because he was trying to hide that connection there as well. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Now, I bet you really enjoyed the uh, season of the Drifter with the lore that we got that season. It was pretty on point. Yeah, it was it was um it was an interesting expansion from a storytelling perspective because the drifter like it's one of the arguments that I've had a lot a lot of times is like the bias in the storytelling within Destiny is is sort of unique. Um we have all information all the information that we have is told to us from in game. Uh there's not really ever a point there's nothing that we've gotten that has been like this is a narrative statement like you know the the, the traveler was here at this point none we've never gotten that and so everything that we've ever gotten is always a point of view it's always a perception it's always biased uh, which is both awesome and also infuriating because what it means is that there's nothing that's a hundred percent certain Everything is done from a character with an agenda, basically. Uh, and so Drifter's stories are both really, really intriguing, but they're a lot like, you know, Callus' stories. And, you know, and we're going to be talking about the Chronicon, uh, not this week, but next week. And that's that's another example. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's just fan fiction. I'm like, well, I mean, it is, but so is the Book of Sorrows. And everyone loves that one. So why what's the difference? Um, you know, it, it's it's the exact same from a from a mechanical standpoint from a from a, uh, a design standpoint so the book of or the the like a man with no name or you know um what was it uh, drifter's gambit uh yeah they were awesome uh, i think that they built a lot of sympathy for drifter um i don't agree with the sympathy but like i see where it is going or I see where it's coming from. Uh, and it, it explained a lot of like where his particular, uh, you know, 
inspirations, I guess, would I guess would that be a technical word? Uh, kind of come from as far as like his experiences that drove him into doing what he's doing, why he's doing what he's doing. It was a pretty good little glimpse into that that portion of his character. That's really cool. Yeah, he's the drifter, I think, is a very like mysterious character and you he's like the the really cool bad guy that you want to root for. And you're not quite sure if he's good or bad or what his true intentions are. Yeah, his name says it all. Drifter. Yeah. So absolutely. So blue. We actually talked about this right before the show began, but um, we talked about Guardian Con 2019, and you were there this year at Guardian Con. And uh, what was the experience like this year for you? Uh, it was good. It was, it was, uh, so Guardian Con is always, I, th- I think they're keeping it this way. Uh, it's a two day, you know, convention, which always means that there's not a lot of sleeping, a lot of just kind of running around. Um, uh, we were on the lore panel the first day. And so that was pretty, I mean, that was pretty much the focus or for our team when we were down there was like, you know, make sure we get to there, get there on time and make sure that we're, you know, we know what we're talking about and all that. So that was, that was pretty much the focus for the first day. Uh, the second day was when we really got to kind of walk around and got to see the floor. Uh, it, it was, I mean, it, it is everything that everyone has said. It, it's an amazing event. Uh, they do a ton of stuff that is just mind-boggling uh, in regards to supporting St. Jude's. I think the end or the end number that I saw was like 4.1 million. I, I feel like that's low uh, as far as like what it was actually, but I think it was like 4.17. I want to say it was, it was just like it was ridiculous. Ridiculous how much money we were able to, you know, as a community come together and raise for St. Jude's. And, you know, having seen <clears throat> having seen this thing come together from the first year that it was officially there, um, you know, each year it just continuously blows away the, the expectations of everyone. Uh, you know, last year they were like, okay, we'll we'll do, you know, I think it was like two million or three million and they got you know three and a half the year before that was like one and they got two you know and so it's just it's continuously just blown out those expectations and i mean like i think dr lupo this year got uh got an award from saint jude's because he raised like his hour alone was like nine hundred and fifty thousand. destiny raised like 420 400 something thousand which, you know, I always make the joke. I was like, man, for a dead game, they did pretty good. Um, you know, and, and it's just it's just watching the community just kind of solidify into this force of good is just always kind of re, re you know, bringing, bringing faith in humanity back. Um, but the, the other thing, and this is kind of what we were talking about before, too, was the other thing that for me was a really big highlight as well was that uh, Halo Outpost was actually in Orlando at the same time. So, uh, so I got to go to Guardian Con and then Sunday after Guardian Con, so Guardian Con ended on Saturday. And then so Sunday, we got to hop over to uh, the Halo Outpost, which was just an amazing experience as well, like for a whole different reason. Uh, Halo Outpost was like, you know, just that was that was my Halo nerd 
part just being so happy um oh yeah egrm in chat thank you is like four four point zero five million uh yeah so it's good 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 chunk of change i mean geez uh, and and I think the majority of that was actually before the the convention even opened the doors. Because uh, what they do is they will do uh, a week worth of charity streams up to that. Um, yeah. And then also they've they've started now where you can do your own stuff off off on your own, and you can pool it into their channels throughout the year, which is just it's really cool. Like the the way that this thing has developed is just. I mean, my hats are off to Kevin Goth and Broman for the the just the entire thing. Um, Kevin has gotten the organization down where I don't even know how he has patience for anything because of the amount of work that I'm sure it goes into. But, you know, it, it's just again and, and like seeing all the artists, uh, they had the entire artist alley which is really where I stayed most of the, most of the convention actually. Um, it's just like, you know, you have Jake, you have, uh, Cobb, uh, Cobb, uh, I think Monicus was, Monicus was there. Um, little light was there, you know, and just like, just awesome artists, uh, nerdy needle show. She was there. Uh, we actually were at Isacol's booth right next to, uh, Elaine, her nerdy needle. So we got to hang out with them. Um, it was just, it was really cool. It was just really cool seeing all the, all the people that we interact with online in person was just, it was just nice. The show floor looked awesome from what I saw. Like, yeah, in some YouTube it was, videos it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's something that I really want to go to. I've never been to a, to a guardian con or destiny con when it was called that, but I know shadow price has been there in 2016 and um, I definitely planning on going next year and for the same reason that you mentioned to get a chance to meet the people that you got to meet online and get to put faces to uh, social media names and profiles and people you play with online so it's really exciting to get a chance to bring the community together and do so much good that they do in our community with St. Jude's. I think we got a couple questions. Uh, yes we do have a couple of questions um oh i just i just answered one of them um uh so the one i just typed an answer to uh and i know there was one up above as well that i i also saw um uh from i think it's cadge talking shadow keep since since focus fire is a lore channel how does how does blue think the lore will expand the story of the hive or does he think does he think we will be traveling down a branch of the hive lore that already exists um and what i just finished typing actually was actually i think it's going to be a bit of both um because there are in the in the very short trailer that we've already gotten there are hints of existing broods. Uh, the hidden brood, I, I think, is what it's called. I just blanked on that one. Uh, but that's that scarlet red uh, kind of coloring. That ogre that really is cool. actually... Yeah, yeah. It, well, the ogre that you see really briefly, that's actually from a grimoire card. Um, and so we kind of... We yeah. kind of have hints of a brood that's already in existence. But the thing is, is just in the same way as like the Fallen, right? With the Fallen, we have houses but we don't anymore because we've destroyed them all. 
uh, similar concept. You know, the 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 universe has shifted since those cards kind of came out, and so mm-hmm. we probably are going to be seeing both an expansion and a recalling of information from the hive, because they're they're going to be changing with the times as well, just like the fallen did. Um, I I think that's my theory at least. Uh, as far as I think the other one was, let me go. Uh, what is uh yeah what does blue think eris will be doing in shadow keep like what role uh i'm i'm hoping i'm hoping we're gonna get her back like we did with the dark below uh as far as like a a narrative type thing uh the hints and the trailer and the vidoc and all that that we've gotten it kind of sent the message that um she is the catalyst to the air quote problem that we're seeing in shadow keep and it's kind of on us to help her fix it i guess is the easiest way to say it uh so that to me tells me that it's going to be something similar to the dark below which is when we saw her come back to uh the the world and interact with us as a as a narrative air quote narrative lead in in game uh and giving us like assignments and stuff like that i'm I'm hoping that's what we see because i i i really like eris i like eris like her story is really intriguing um mm-hmm. her situation is Very really dark, fascinating yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah but like the situation also is okay. really fascinating because of what what has gone on with her character um so yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I I'm hoping I'm hoping it's as a narrative kind of lead. I think it's going to be pretty heavily narrative focused uh, on Eris. I think she's going to be in our comps and everything like that too. While we're doing the missions, and you know, we're gonna get some cool cutscenes. I'm pretty sure. So I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Uh, yeah, we have another fine. question from uh, Cadge Gaming, and um, he wants to know, um, do you think? that we will find out more information on Sabbath Dune and Xevoa Wrath in Shadowkeep. I I'm hope I I both I both hope so and hope that we don't. Like I don't know. Sabbath Dune is really interesting because that seems to be kind of the the leaning that they've gone with the Dreaming City recently. Uh Sabbath Dune and uh Dolan Karu with the whole concept of Ambaru, Imbaru, and the power. Core, yeah, truth of power, truth of power. I, I like. I've read that thing so many times now. Like when I first read it, I absolutely hated it, and I was like, "This is dumb." And then I read it again. I'm like, "All right, whatever." It's got some interesting pieces in. It. And then I read it again. I was like, "Oh, oh my gosh, it. it's got it. Like, yeah." <laughs> then it's got. Then it's like, "All right, this has got some really cool stuff See, in it." That's what Sabathun um, wanted you to do. It was yeah, the tr- Imbaru, the the idea of Imbaru, <laughs> the idea of Imbaru is just endlessly fascinating. Um, like just from a psychological standpoint, it's like just psychological and philosophical standpoint. The the idea that imbrew like represents is just really cool um and so like sabathun i think you know i think we will probably get some if if not just nod some information about zivu wrath has been really quiet and we do like this is me speaking out of character or out of like fourth wall um we do know now that the the expansion that comes after shadow keep is going to be focused on the vex um I'm glad you so, brought this up because I got something to say yeah, about that. So, 
Yeah, I mean, like, so I'm like, which I'm both, I'm I'm happy, and I'm also kind of like, I'm like, I'm happy because it's like, okay, thank you. We're going to take a break from the high for a second. And, you know, so we had the high, then we had the cabal, and we kind of had the fallen before that. And and also interspace throughout it with Mithrax and all that nonsense. And so now we're going back to the Vex, which I think I, I think is is due, you know, is time. Um, the only reason I bring that up is like if they're gonna bring down Savathun, there is the the obvious connection between Coria and Savathun. Mm-hmm. Uh Coria is a is a is a Vex figure that it was pseudo taken. Um so there's an interesting bridge there that they could play on i don't know if they're going to um and i i love the i really feel like someone needs to make a shirt that just says blank is savathun because that's like the prominent theory everywhere is that anytime we get introduced to a character reintroduced to a character it's like oh that's savathun like no it's not um but but, i mean it's also possible right because shapeshifters yay I even got tricked by like I thought the queen was somehow shape shifting to be Savathun and everything, you know the queen. Well, and I mean, in a way, in a way with uh, Forsaken, you know, there was that one portion that was riven. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just the whenever whenever the hive get brought up. I mean, we technically you know, there's there's a really far flung theory that there's Oryx that's still technically possible. I mean, it's just you know just. The fun thing with the hive is that they don't follow the rules of anything. And so pretty much anything is open within like within some bounds, very, very soft bounds. Um, but yeah, sorry, Kaj is asking. Yeah, Coria was gifted to Savathun by Oryx. Uh, and so Coria is also another one that every time someone sees a massive Hydra, they're like, oh, it's Coria. And it's like, no, it's not necessarily Coria. Um, yeah. I think I think we I think we will get more information, but as far as like how much information, I think that's where it kind of you know obviously is gonna not here's, be foreseeable. Foreseeable. Here's the thing I want to say about the Vex. Remember the original roadmap from Destiny One? Uh, do you remember seeing the leaked images of that roadmap and everything? And oh yeah, the the uh, the the Vex video Void. Was it was called it, yeah yeah the name of the expansion was called Vex Void, I believe. That's after, the one that the like, Vex was coming like out of the pool or something. Yeah. And it's the yeah, same yeah. picture they showed at Guardian. It does Con it does it does look very similar. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean yeah. and, and there's a part there's a part of me from like a programming standpoint, I'm like, eh, it's a resource that they didn't use. It's fair. That's game. what I'm thinking. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like I'm like I'm eh, thinking, knock yourself I'm, knock yourselves thinking, out. <laughs> for whatever reason they were like they had to restructure or you know during that time, you know, they had to you know, change what, you know, they were bringing out, change the roadmap, you know, change the content uh, schedule and things like that, you know, and they had that in their back pocket. And with us revisiting the Vex, I mean, maybe that has something to do with Luke Smith saying this, not everything has been lost in dark corners of time and everything, Yeah, you know? I mean, I I hope so, because, I mean, I thought it was a cool cutscene that we saw, or that that was leaked. I thought it was a really cool one. Um, And I mean, I, I don't know. I don't have any problem with reusing resources i mean no i don't either these are whole planets we can go to different areas yeah, yeah. On these planets. it's not I just, just, 
I just remember everyone was everyone was mad because it was is the menagerie. They're like, it's reskinned. I'm like, yeah, but it's reskinned and it's making fun of the fact that it's reskinned because Callus is just like, this is mine. Like, what is yeah. the the cal the callus callus mini tool? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I see what you did there for the Vex DLC because uh, the Vex are my favorite like race in Destiny, and I felt like we got Vex light all during Course of Osiris. We were not treated to the full Vex experience, so I'm hoping they go all out for that one after Shadowkeep. I, I think they, I mean, like, I hope so as well, because I think I want to see Stranger again, thing, too. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think the other thing is like, you know, with Curse of Osiris, like, you know, it was just, it was just kind of like a Band-Aid. And I mean that in as loving of a manner as it possible. Mm-hmm. It was a Band-Aid just holding together things. Whereas right. like, you know, like we see with Forsaken and, uh, you know, Opulence, uh, we they're they're much more robust offerings as far as like forsaken itself was i mean obviously a giant thing compared to the other seasons but they've also that that kind of showcases the the evolution of their concept of seasons um Mm -hmm. so i'm thinking that as we go down you know continue down the road we will continue to see more and more and obviously they'll have more history to build on too so they'll be able to you know hopefully give us more detail there yes yeah, absolutely. And Blue, what would you say is your memorable Destiny community moment? Um, probably it was it would probably be either like the first Guardian Con that I went to or the the chant like when I was with the DoD, um I was the one of their or I was the basically their manager of all their media aspects. So I got to actually go to E3 with them and getting just basically anytime mm. I get to hang out with the, the, the Bungie team, like that's always been like really cool is like, just like actually getting to talk to those people um, because it really hammers home that, you know, they are, you know, and I mean this in this again, as kind of a way they're just like the rest of us, they are just as big of fans and they want to see the game do just as well as everything. And yes, pins is correcting me too. The reason why E3 was so cool was I actually got to like hang out with Morla, uh, who, who does the voice of Eris and the hive pretty much. Wow. Um, and I got to hang out with her for like three days and it was just like, it was just, I mean, a hilarious and it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I I just I I love the entire team that Bungie has had and has like they have the people that I've gotten a chance to interact with with them have all been just hands down some of the nicest down to earth people I've I've ever gotten to work with. Um mm-hmm. and they're all just really really focused on really trying to make, you know, Destiny be the best that they can. Um, which is why, you know, to be, to be blunt, that's why I don't have a lot of patience for a lot of the salt that's out online. Um, not that I, not that I have patience for it in general, but actually having met, you know, some of these people, it's like, no, there are, there are things that are going on that not everyone has control over and that, and that's really what's going on. Um, but yeah, like as far as like the highlight, you know, I, I would say probably, probably E3 just because of the opportunity to meet everybody that i did get the chance to meet you went to e3 this year no 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 that was uh 
that was two or three years ago i want to say oh cool that's awesome yeah i always wanted to go to e3 but uh haven't really had a chance to yet but hopefully maybe next year it might uh, work out uh, next year might be the year in consoles <laughs> so yeah. mm-hmm. it's gonna be a really big year in gaming There's, next year so it's gonna yeah. be exciting there's a lot of not sleeping yeah (laughs) are you a borderlands fan at all uh no i'm not uh but green is green i think is the resident borderlands fan um i don't know to me uh the story is entertaining like i love it uh the voice actors and the lines and all like it's just it's freaking hilarious um the game it's it's purely a gameplay mechanic thing i get vertigo from when i play it for too long and so it's just like i'm like i just can't play it for that long is it the aesthetic like probably too yeah but, yeah it's like the the cell shading like i yeah. don't I, I think that's what it is it's the cell shading and the speed it just to me it just makes me kind of like i'm like after about an hour of playing it i'm like okay i gotta take a break i'm the same way with that game Definitely Borderlands 2. I haven't really played yes, in the other Borderlands. Yes, Borderlands 2. Like, Borderlands was not... I don't know. I, I thought... I think it's weird. Like, Borderlands 1 was not as bad. It could just be my memory, but I don't remember it being as bad as Borderlands 2. But, you know, I... Again, it could just be my memory there. Uh, but Borderlands 2 definitely was... Uh, it's the same problem I have with Overwatch, really, is it's just a little too twitchy. Like, it's just a little too twitchy for me. <laughs> The high frame rates. <laughs> probably. Probably. Yeah, that's going to be uh, one of the big games coming out this fall around the same time that Shadow Keep is coming out. So it's going to be interesting to see how they both do this fall in terms of sales and numbers. Yeah, cause... yeah. Because uh, that's uh, Borderlands 3, right? Yeah. I believe is yeah. Which looks hilarious. Uh, I was talking to, so they had a couple of the voice actors from Borderlands 3 at Guardian Con. And um, we were talking, like, I was talking to uh, a couple people about it. And what's really funny about Borderlands 3 is the, all the big, all the big bads in that game are actually live streamers. So they're all, they're all streamers, like all the people you're fighting. It's really kind of funny. I was like, that's kind of interesting from a meta standpoint. If you could shape the future of Destiny with Destiny 3, what would you change? How would you make it different? How would you make it better? Uh, I I mean, to the simple answer is I don't think there should be a Destiny 3. I think they I think a lot of people have kind of made this comment as well. Um, you know, we we talk about Destiny from a standpoint of an MMO or an RPG-esque thing. And the model that they've have with these seasons, I think, have done really well. Um, I mean, short of a massive overhaul to the underlying structure, which is kind of what we saw with Destiny to Destiny 2, I, I think that keeping it just like Destiny and just building on it uh, and continuously using a DLC model similar to like a World of Warcraft-esque model it makes it more seamless from a storytelling and a gameplay mechanics. Now, understandably also if there's a massive, you know, shift in, and uh, hardware requirements and stuff like that, then yeah, we can, we can see that. But from a mechanic standpoint, I, I kind of like the idea of the evolving world that is promoted with the, the season 
concept. Um, but as far as like, I, I mean, like, honestly, I think they're, they're finally kind of getting to a point where they're really hitting their stride as far as like a storytelling perspective, as far as finding a balance um, between what's in game and what's kind of in lore in the, in the, the third party, you know, aspects. Um, I think that they're starting to understand that that is that both sides of that are necessary and both sides are wanted really. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that actually what I would change is I wouldn't change anything. I'd keep it the same the way it's going right now. Now, as far as like balancing and mechanics and stuff, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the person to talk to about that. Cause I have the gun that I've used since day one on destiny two. And that's the gun I still use. Um, because I like how it sounds. So I'm, I'm terrible when it comes to like, Oh, this is a good gun. I was like, whatever. Um, I don't, I don't play based off metas. I just play based off whatever I'm, whatever I happen to have and whatever I happen to like at the moment. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because I used to be that same way where I would pretty much stick with what I was comfortable with, but I did learn to take myself out of my comfort zone as much as possible. And if a new season occurs where, you know, there's a grenade launcher that you can chase after and it's really relevant and really good, like with Mountaintop, I think that, you know, it gave me something to chase and then it took me out of that comfort zone because normally I wouldn't really use grenade launchers, but because I got one that's good. I'm almost learning to play with a new weapon that actually you come to learn to really appreciate once you get better with it. Well, they right. were kind of butt, yeah. butt, yeah. butt, butt in the beginning, like grenade launchers. They were kind of butts. Yeah, <laughs> they were before the meta, but it was really Why? interesting got, to make them. <laughs> the fighting line was always an so... amazing god. Yeah. <laughs> they got a pretty good buff, though. Um, and then they just became amazing especially ones with spike nades yeah that's the what is the iron banner one that everyone was going crazy swarm over? swarm of the raven mm-hmm. yeah yeah i have a rocket launcher that that seeks so i'm like whatever i pull it out <laughs> and shoot it and it goes and finds somebody that's all i care about <laughs> that's that's totally understandable so what's your favorite weapon in destiny 2 Oh, right now it's probably a toss up between uh Nameless Midnight, so the original Nameless Midnight and then uh actually I'm I'm really enjoying I think it's Wishender. Uh Okay. Which I just like I like the bows. Yeah, I like bows. Bows in general. God, pens is making fun of me now. Um you know, it's funny that he's making fun of me about pulse rifles because I just got a random drop of a crimson and I got the catalyst and I was like, oh, fine, I'll go and do this stupid catalyst. And I was <laughs> like, I was just like, man, I managed to do it. But it was like, that's that's probably as close as a pulse rifle as I'll get. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, scout rifles and bows are pretty much more my speed as far as like weapons. I do. I Like I said, Nameless Midnight um, and then the Oxygen SR3 was really oh, fun. Oxygen. Um, and then, yeah, Wish Ender. I want scouts to be good again. Because they were they really are, good. They are. I love them. I love are them. They? My, my, nameless, my Nameless Midnight. I I don't know. Like, I've, I, 
I can never tell if it's just me because I've gotten so used to using them that I've like uncon- I unconsciously will position things, but like I just I've never really had like super big problems. Nameless Midnight hits like a truck. It always it always has. Um, maybe at least maybe that archetype is the exception because it seems like a lot of the other ones are kind of uh i know lackluster. i know a lot of people yeah i know a lot of people aren't like super happy with oxygen um that's i mean oxygen i play with oxygen because it makes things explode like explode and we need really hung jury level of explosions <laughs> oh my gosh we need that again yeah. well, so if you have oxygen if you have oxygen which has the the mega explosion and then you put the perk of the the fire or whatever the firefly whatever it is now dragonfly whatever right, yeah. uh you put the mod to increase it on top of that it's like Respect. oh yes yeah. i'm like oh yes all the things go boom mm-hmm. um <laughs> But yeah, no, and then Nameless Midnight has the uh, exploding rounds, and it's just it's it just it just feels like a solid hit. Um, and then Wish Ender, just because you know, it's Wish Ender, I get to watch you through the walls. Last question of the night: Talk about Eris Morn lore. What's next for you? What's next for Focused Fire Chat and Lore Network? Um, so we're going to like, I guess it's more about what's next for the lore network, because that's kind of what's what this whole thing is kind of metamorphized, metamorphosed into, um, the lore network really was kind of a way, uh, to kind of bring everyone who does lore creation and kind of put it like on the same page, uh, or, or a same, like a role. It's basically like a Rolodex of lore content creators, right? Uh, it's kind of the, the thought process that we had behind it. Um, and so like right now, what I'm, what I'm working on with it is I'm actually, I'm actually, cause I love giving myself immense projects. I'm actually revamping. We have pages where, uh, we had quotes and the dialogue written out. And so what I'm doing right now is I'm reworking those all into the website to make it a little bit more user-friendly. Uh, I just finished doing a run through for Destiny 2 and for Focus Fire. I have a list now of every single light bearer that we have reference to in the game um, on a Google spreadsheet. So we have all that information and that has like their ghost designations, their light allegiances, any any like extra notes that we have about them, um, the groups and the uh, most of the political organizations that we have in game. Uh, I've managed to collate most of that information into a single spreadsheet. Uh, so that's kind of where that's kind of what we do behind the scenes for Focus Fire. As far as the lore network, I mean, really, it's just it's getting getting people, you know, on the site so that other people can find them. Uh, which is kind of gone a uh, callback to a comment that Green and I had way, I think like a year or so right before we launched the site. Um, it, it was just, it was one of those things where like you're sitting there and you're like, I want to learn about X, but I don't know where to even start looking um, as far as like a storytelling or from a lore perspective. And so we were like, you know what, let's just build a site. And we had the Focus Fire site already that was kind of already there. It was already kind of built up. Um, and so we just, we just basically changed that into the lore network, which is, you know, the lore network.com. And so what we're doing right now is we're just, we're trying to find people to kind of put links to, to, to guide people to find them. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's really what we're working on right now. 
Yeah, it's really amazing that you were able to build such an incredible community with content in Destiny that's not very easy to interpret and cover. So the fact that you're able to do so in such a professional manner and you guys break down so many complex complex topics in destiny lore so well and um definitely kudos to the entire team no yeah we appreciate it i mean and that's and i think that's both like the the challenge right is is for all the all the content creators i mean not just i mean destiny 2 is definitely where we we're very familiar with but like you know the halo content creator the borderlands content you know all the all the all the games um you know, breaking it down and understanding it as one thing, but then presenting it where other people can understand it is a whole nother challenge. And then like, I, I, my hats go truly off to the people who do it on YouTube because I cannot condense my thoughts into 15 minutes to save my life. Like I couldn't do that where I would understand it. So, you know, like watching uh, Bife, uh, Beard and Mylan and all of them do it like consistently, like Bife and Mylan, I, I just, I, we, we've, we kind of talk to Mylan off and on about some of the stuff and, you know, we help, we help where we can with their stuff. Um, but like watching that constantly just getting that churned out is just, I, it, my hats go off to him because I, I, like I said, my brain doesn't operate on that. I can't give you cliff notes. I don't, I don't exist in cliff notes. I exist Detox. in two hour shows. Yeah. I exist in, <laughs> I, I'm like, I see, I see something. I'm like, okay, well the history of that is actually connected to the history of this, which is connected to the history, you know, like, that's where my brain goes with it. So right. there's yeah. so many threads. There's so many. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a spider web. It's a spider web. And it's exactly. Just yeah, like the net code. We have the same exact problem. We, we like to talk about destiny quite a lot. That's why yeah. our episodes are generally two to three hours long. <laughs> but uh, we enjoy it. For the kids. For the puppies. <laughs> and thank you so much for our live audience for being with us tonight. We really appreciate your time and hanging out with us live on twitch.tv forward slash the destiny show. And we hope you enjoyed our discussion with the guardians. And up next, we're going to talk about Eris Morn and the Eris Morn. We're going to learn about who Eris Morn is, where she came from. We're going to learn about the Ahamkara hunt and the battle against Crota. And we're also going to dive into the Taken War and where she is today and where she will be in Shadowkeep. But before we dive into it, I do want to remind everyone that you can find us on all of your favorite podcasting apps. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Podbean, and more. The Destiny Show is now part of the Robots Radio Network, and you can check them out at robotsradio.com. Net. You can also check us out on Twitter at The Destiny Show or on the web at www.destinyshow.com. And now you can check us out on Patreon and support us and get some really cool loot. And you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash The Destiny Show. And we're going to move on to our conversation about Eris Morn. 
And let's first dive into who is Eris Morn and where she came from. And we know that she is a hunter and a who serve the Guardians as their experts on Hive lore. She is the sole survivor of the ill-fated fire team led by herself, the Ariana Three, that attempted to assassinate Crota after the Great Disaster. I remember yeah. the uh, Darkblade um, strike. And yeah, the Darkblade strike, yes. Ariana, Saimota, and... Uh, you know, all the other names that I can't think of off the top of my head that I know Blue knows and everything. Vel Tarlow was Vel the Tarlo. primary. Tarlo. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was the primary one for the that particular strike. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was really cool, like, going into that pit and having to fight um, a la cool. He's hunting mm-hmm. you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was really that was really cool. Just I, I, I can't wait to hear Eris in our like ears again, you know. Yeah, she's such a powerful character in the game and she has so much strength as as a character. I mean, she led so many battles. She allowed us to defeat Crota and Oryx, and she was just an instrumental character who had a lot of courage and strength to overcome everything that she did. Now, Blue, from your perspective, um, how would you describe Eris Morn and who she is and um, her past? Uh, so, like, I mean, Eris, so Eris was obviously she's she's a hunter or was a hunter because that's the thing with Eris is that. Technically, she is a former guardian because she no longer has her ghost, uh, which is a really big component for her, uh, both from a from a profile and from a character standpoint as well. Because what that means is that if Eris were supposedly, and I guess that kind of gets into a couple different theories, but what that would mean for a guardian in normal sense is that once you lose your ghost, you're no longer able to be resurrected, right? So you're no longer the, the powerhouse, the immortal being that you were, um, you are now just basically a more powerful human immortal. Um, and so that's, that's a big component within Eris's personality. It also brings a lot of the understanding of the weight that she bears, uh, with all her, even though she has a very strong hatred of of pretty much the hive in general, but especially towards Crota, um, you know she she's very similar to Asher in the sense of that fear that is mentioned there. Um, and so, I mean, and, and she also has a couple big units of baggage um, with regards to the torturer and the the trauma that she experienced while she was stuck or trapped in the hellmouth um and and it's just that's that's where a lot of her very strong opinions about the hive come from is she was forced to survive as an enemy behind enemy lines for for years possibly decades uh underneath the surface of the moon um without a ghost and so the fact that she's even still around is is a testament to just just how um 
resourceful, I guess you could say. She is as a as a person, you know, as a guardian, really. Um, and you you get you get tell you get the stories of the various different guardians that she went into the Hellmouth with. And so that kind of paints also a picture of just how dire a situation it was. You know, Sai Moda, uh, Ariana Three, you know, Omar, Aga, all of them were were killed very quickly. And so for the fact that Eris survived for for as long as she did, again, is just a, a testament to probably what she had to do to survive and would explain some of the the very similar to PTSD, you know, symptoms that she does exhibit very I mean, very well also from a from a fourth wall perspective. Her character is very well portrayed. Living and among the hive. Oh correct me oh. if I'm wrong, wasn't she the last surviving guardian made it out of the helmet. Yeah, so her fire team was comprised of Ariana Three, uh, who was a Exo Warlock, uh, Vel Tarlo, who was a Titan, uh, Omar, a Hunter, Omar Aga was a Hunter, Saimoda was also a Hunter uh, herself, and then Toland, um, and theories you know go back and forth as far as like Toland's in- involvement there uh but we do know that vel tarlo basically he was overrun by thrall and the dark blade which is where the the comment that we were making about before uh killed him before they even got into the hellmouth so vel tarlo fell outside of the hellmouth and then once they entered the hellmouth you know it was pretty quickly in succession that omar and sai fell um ariana three made it somewhat but we don't know exactly what condition she was in when she and toland encountered ear ear ute i believe it was uh the death singer and then when the when they encountered the death singer uh toland was able to somewhat ascend which basically metamorphosed him into the form that we see in the dreaming city that kind of that that ball of light that is toland or what's kind of left of send it in a way yeah you know like in a right? way like it he has but he he's not as powerful as sometimes he leads you to believe um which is you know it, that's a whole that's a whole different story so we don't um, is he alive or is he he's not we don't dead. really know completely right because i mean we yeah can, he's i mean i would say yeah. he's not dead uh I mean, I you could probably argue on the status of if he's alive or not because he's a ball of light. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you consider that a lot. He's not dead. He is still aware of himself. So in that sense, he is alive. He is conscious, or he's is conscious. Is he Is like is well, he like? You mean her- he is a? I mean. In so far as guardians are also paracausal, yes. Um, now, as far as like he's kind of like, you know, kind of duct taping kind himself like into the dimensions, almost like in between right, dimensions. Yeah, he's he's kind of duct taped himself into the hive ascendancies, um, and so we don't really know his full status. Uh, yeah, he's the shattered know, one. They yeah, call he's him he's shattered. shattered. Yeah, he's yeah. shattered. He's torn between between the realms in a way. Um, so, I mean, in a sense of that original fire team, Toland and Eris are the only ones that are left. And Toland does have an express fondness for Eris. Uh, 
insofar as like he gave her copies of his journal he's taught her how to use uh the dark magics um you know different aspects of that which he didn't seem to extend to the other members of the fire team or at least not that we have record of um but eris is the only one who actually still has her majority of her body left um and is in this realm at least uh that was from that fire team yeah right because she had to try to she had to survive among you know the hive so she had to learn kind of like to kind of think like a hive did she have to survive she almost had to become part of the hive to really understand them she studied them she learned their magic and how to fight them with their own weapons so she she was very smart to be able to adapt and change and almost evolve into this creature fights against them but understands them more than any guardian ever could she pretty much had no choice if she wanted to live you know she was surrounded by hive so it was basically just assimilate become one of the hive to try to escape eventually yeah it was it was a game of biting biting her time until someone would wake the hive (laughs) we've woken the hive (laughs) yeah we woke the hive oh there's eris (laughs) that makes sense and we also know about the great ahamkara hunt And we know that Eris participated in the Great Ahamkara Hunt and fought an army of Ahamkara on Venus alongside Ikora Ray, Standing amid the bones of the slain witch dragons, Eris claimed to hear voices that told her stories, a life before becoming a guardian. She and Ikora summoned a storm of light that vaporized the bones but the voices persisted. As Ahamkara do. She also was the one who fought alongside Wei Ning and basically made the comment that the Titan was insane Uh, because that's the, there's an uh, entry as well from the great Ahamkara hunt where it's her and Wei Ning and Wei Ning turns to her and she's like, all right, confession time. I've just been punching him and not actually killing him. And Eris is like, are you completely, you've completely lost it. Um, and that's, <laughs> it was like one of, it's one of the funniest entries with Wei Ning. And Wei Ning's got some really funny ones. But yeah, it's like one of the ones that I really enjoy with Wei Ning. Um, but yeah, it Eris, Eris was pretty heavily involved with the Ahamkara hunt, it does seem. Uh, and so she's all, she was also pretty big in the well not big but she was also involved in the hidden with ikora as far as an intelligence network so you know that being what it is uh she does seem to have have gotten her name recognized arguably pretty early in her life as a guardian because we know that her descent into the hellmouth was still when she was considerably or considered to be a younger member of the guardian forces yeah, and that's actually a kind of a good segue because now we're going to talk about the battle against Crota. Um, so, with the rest of the fire team dead and her own ghost drained of light and eventually perishing as well, Eris was left alone in the depths of the Hive Warrens 
Against all odds, she managed to survive the Hellmouth Shattery Warrens for years, using their own dark tactics against them, despite her previous concerns about wielding weapons of darkness. She lost her eyes to the Hive, but replaced them with those of a Hive enemy, Third Eye included. Eris learned much about the Hive, its hierarchy, and how to wield some of their magic. She also had access to a copy of Tolan's journal, as we talked about earlier, which aided her greatly in staying alive in the Warrens and expanding her knowledge of the Hive. <clears throat> so, after learning of a newly risen Guardian who raided the world's grave on behalf of the Speaker, Eris summoned the Guardian. She declared the Speaker a fool for not seeing that the true threat was Crota and for clinging to his belief in a dead god, and tasked the Guardian with slaying the Swarm Princes and destroying the Sword of Crota, which the Vanguard mistakenly believed had been destroyed long ago. And after they succeeded, Eris requested they kill Sardon, Fist of Crota, who was leading the Hive in the Cosmodrome in preparation for the revival of Crota's soul. As they hunted Crota's general, Eris explained to the Guardian Sardon's role as conquering the moon and how she survived for years in the Hive Warrens there. The Guardian defeated Sardon, but Omnigal was spotted in the Cosmodrome as well, and Eris requested that the Guardian return to the tower to discuss their next step. This is like bringing back all memories of the Dark Below right here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just reliving it as I read this passage and everything. It's like, yep, Sardon, Fistacrota, and everything. And, uh, yep, the Swarm Princes uh, during the uh, Sword of Crota mission and uh, original Vanilla Destiny. Urzok the Hated. Oh, Urzok. That was the guy in the uh, Skywatch, right? Freaking Skywatch, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> hey, I'm going to play hide-and-seek with everyone and never show up. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I do show up, I'm going to be immortal because... Uh, Urzok. Yeah. I remember trying to break his shield was just, like, the toughest <laughs> thing to do. That dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the high version of Randall the Vandal. Yes. Very good. Very good description of Urzak. <laughs> uh, so we can go on to talk about Eris some more. Um, Eris learned that Omnigal was targeting Rasputin, Rasputin, proving her previous concerns about the Hive's plans correct. She sent the Guardian to stop Omnigal from destroying or corrupting Warmind which would allow the Hive to invade Earth without worrying about Rasputin's defenses. Eris was surprised when Rasputin allowed access to his bunker and was shocked to discover Omnigal had already found a way inside. The Guardian stopped Crota's mate, who fled to safety, and Eris noted that the Hive on Earth were more powerful than she had assumed. She summoned Guardian back to the tower to discuss how they would stop the Hive from awakening Crota's soul. Despite this victory, Eris was concerned about why Omnigal fled and she usually feasted on light, and feared that she may have found what she was looking for in the bunker. Eris was also cautious of Rasputin's motives and wondered if its survival of the collapse came at the cost to humanity. So, to wrap this up, to wrap this little uh, passage up, we're talking about Rasputin further. And Eris, with Rasputin safe, Eris tasked the Guardian with going to the Temple of Crota and stopping the Wakers of Crota from beginning a ritual to restore Crota's soul. When the Guardian arrived, they discovered that the ritual had already begun, 
and Eris just desperately urged them onward to stop it from being completed. After the Guardian destroyed the Wakers, Eris directed them to destroy the crystal that the wizards were using for the ritual. Once it was destroyed, she thanked the Guardian for banishing Crota's soul and bringing her some measure of vengeance of her fallen friends. With Crota's soul banished, Eris declared that Omnigal now had to die in order to truly ensure that Crota could not return to the world. She had located Omnigal in the Skywatch, where she was creating a new hive army to carry out Crota's will. Once the Guardian slew Omnigal, Eris thanked them and hoped that her friends would now find some measure of peace. She rewarded the Guardian with the fusion rifle Murmur. She also explained that many of Crota's disciples still walk their moon and earth and suggested that to find a way to enter the Hellmouth and find a way to destroy Crota for good. Eventually, the Guardian also killed Crota, venturing into the Ascendant Realm and slaying him at his Oversoul throne. There's a lot to digest here. <laughs> wow, that was a lot of information. Yeah, that was basically all of the Dark Below. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, the remember the Murmur? That, that was a cool mm -hmm. fusion rifle, being able to that was, that was switch. Yeah, yep. yeah being able that to switch the so different elements. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I liked the aesthetic of it, too. Like, that was, you know, the first, like, after Thorn kind of and Bad Juju, they were kind of the first true hive weapons. And then, you know, you got like, uh, you know, it was uh, what it was Husk of the Pit, which became mm -hmm. uh, Idol on Ally and then Idol on Ally. Necrochasm. Yeah. Which was an absolutely useless gun, but really, really <laughs> fun to make. Yeah. No, it was it was a fun quest. Trying to get the crux to drop, though, is. Oh, good. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. Crotus, Crotus Crux. Yeah, I remember that the crux of Crota. Actually, the funny story: I actually have a, a crux of Crota on my account. I have like two of them in my inventory in Destiny One on Xbox still. Um, <laughs> once I got the first one, I, I feel like I, I started getting them all the time. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's like, oh, you you don't need this here. You can't you can't <laughs> trade it to anybody, but you got it. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Gotta love Destiny RNG. Now, I'm gonna go, like, uh, she's gonna come back, like, from the sounds of it. I think she's gonna be in Shadowkeep. I mean, as a nightmare, probably. Yeah, or, I would hope I would so. Be, I would be so... I, I'd actually honestly be disappointed if they didn't bring her back. Yeah, I mean, as we much, killed her how many as times? Much, <laughs> as many times as we put her in the ground in Destiny 1. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So many grasps of Malix. <laughs> oh, yeah. I We farmed the, the Omnigal Strike for, man, I feel like at least a couple of weeks before we got that god roll grasp of malik with a uh, head seeker and what's that other perk forgetting uh, it. glass half full glass half probably, full thank uh, you probably a uh, handmade stock to get that yep, stability stock. yep yeah those were some good times but yeah i would be really surprised if they did not bring back the uh, omnigal strike in some way or bring her back as a character at the very least so, so that would be really interesting when you said that uh, we woke the hive, like, is that like the sign, like, for Eris that she could like finally start to escape? 
Like, did we? Well, because we... the thing about that whole that whole clip in the game too is, up until that point, remember the the locks had been keeping the hive within. That's true. Yes. And so right. when we when we broke those locks, the art the kind of the the connection there is that's what arguably opened the way. Like she still had to get a ship, which is, you know, a whole like that's a whole different thing. That's why when she showed up in the tower, um <laughs> that was the, the joke with her showing up at the tower is like everyone else is parking in the in the the hangar and she has her, her ship tied with a rope to the the tower. And it was like it was the most loosely tied rope out there. I was like, aren't you worried the ship's gonna float away? Like that's that seems like a really bad area to tie a ship to. You know, ignoring the <laughs> fact that you probably shouldn't tie a ship down that way, anyways. <laughs> like yeah. it was just it was just the funniest thing. And then they they moved her to the stair. Like the whole the whole explanation of like them moving to her stairs was really funny and like that whole thing. But yeah, so like technically that was the explanation of where she kind of got the opening to get out of the Hellmouth was when we opened those doors and we awoken the hive for that surface part. That's what would then eventually because if you remember, that's eventually how we also got down into the summoning pits um and hell mouth yeah. in general so so uh you know we were actually changing events like that would shape destiny like ever since the beginning basically oh yeah yeah you know, that's that's awesome and the one thing that i find really interesting about the battle of crota uh with eris morn is that it almost felt like that first big test that she had to overcome where she proved she had proven herself being able to be an instrumental character in defeating that big foe that we were going up against with Crota. Yeah. Oh yeah. You mean like when she was her involvement <laughs> with the dark below campaign? Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the, the expansion that essentially put her on the map as a very key character in the game mm -hmm. and in helping to defeat the biggest challenge the game has to offer. Yeah, we basically haven't seen her in four years from being center stage of, you know, um, when she was in the Taken King and everything. So having her come back after four years into Shadowkeep, like, you know, it's just so much has probably ha has happened so much has happened since then so yeah and we know how powerful she was as a character and then we also have the passage uh about the yeah. taken war and right. um that was a very critical uh part in the destiny franchise as well going up against not just crota but now the bigger version, the father of Crota, Oryx. So that was a really big uh, expansion for Eris Morn and her character being built as a main character that hopefully we'll get this fall with Shadowkeep. Yeah, and... it's that taken more. Like, that was like what opened up, like, after the campaign and everything. Like, that whole, like, endgame basically opened up to you after yeah. that. And we do have a passage from the Taken War. Uh, 
Blue, did you want to read this passage uh, for our listeners? Oh, yeah, yeah. The por- the, the summary portion? Yes, the, for the yeah, Taken War. Okay, cool. So, uh, so during the Taken War, with Crota's death, Eris turned her attention to his master and father, Oryx. And for this purpose, she turned to Queen Marasov of the Reef and the exiled warlock Osiris for help. The three met in the Queen's throne room in the Reef, where Eris declared that she had no wish to play any games of politics with them and was only there to ensure a united front met Oryx when he invaded the system. The Queen agreed with her, and the three began plotting to end the Taken King. She kept her alliance with the Queen and Osiris secret from the city's leadership. During the Wolf Rebellion, she secretly met with Prince Aldrin Sov at the Vestian outpost, avoiding the other guardians who were now allowed into the Reef. She informed Aldrin that she had news from the beyond that the Queen needed to hear, and together they formed a plan to defeat Oryx, the Awoken, defeat Oryx, and the Awoken would prevent his fleet from entering the Inner System, while Eris would help the Guardians enter the Dreadnought and defeat Oryx. She was one of the guides in, this, in the Taken King, and among the first to detect the threat of the Taken. After the Taken King's defeat, Eris aided the Guardians in slaying would-be contenders and pretenders to the Oryx's throne. Chief among them were Alakhul and Malak. In regards to the Darkblade, she hoped to gain a sense of vengeance as Alakhul was present during her old team's raid against Crota and caused some of their deaths. She also knew that Alakhul could nonetheless make a worthy successor to Oryx, and thus he had to be taken out from within his prison. Guiding the Guardians to the prison within the Dreadnought, Eris led them to Alakhul Black Cell, and after a tense battle, they succeeded in slaying the Darkblade. That was a really cool strike again. <laughs> like it was a lot. It was. I, I liked the dreadnought. Like that. That. That like environment really grew on me after a while. Like at first, I was kind of like, oh, it's all the same color, <laughs> everything. No, yeah. But then I just I kind of got uh, like kind of followed the story and the lore and everything. And I was like, wow, this is yeah, really dark place and everything. But it's like really cool though too. You know, it's just. It was a really mysterious place with all the calcified fragments and all the different, like, you know, uh, mysteries and secrets that were in there as well. Yeah. And the the other thing about the whole Darkblade story there as well was that the entire prison that he was in was actually designed to reduce the hive that were in within those cells back into Chitin, which was what the ship was made out of. So it was actually it was actually not just a prison, but an also a factory of sorts for the dreadnought to allow it to be healed, like to heal itself. And it was basically a, a, a way for the ship to continue growing and recovering from battles as it, you know, as it traveled. That's interesting. That pretty much really shows us how strong of a character Eris Morn is having overcome so many different challenges in her life and to um, overcome the hive. And not only that, but be so instrumental in the defeat of both Crota and Oryx as the main protagonists in the story of destiny. And we also know that a festival of the lost was one of the last times that we actually saw Eris Morn. 
and there is a passage that I'd like to share with our listeners, and it goes like this. Shortly after the dawning, Eris visited an old friend in the hospital, a warlock by the name of Asher Mir. She spoke to him, telling him her time in the city was over, and she had accomplished all that she set out to do there. She decided to find a new way to eliminate the hive, and that she could not find it within the city's walls. Before leaving, she spoke a grim warning that a storm was coming and that she would not be with them when it broke. This storm would end up becoming the Red Legion assault on the city and the beginning of the Red War. Eris also sends a message to Asher Mir stating that she had built a ship out of Hive Chitin and discovered a throne world created in the Ascendant Realm, built for a being aligned with her light. And that was one of the last times that we saw any uh, appearances of Eris Moore. Now, I do know that she also helped with the uh, Dreaming City, uh, crisis and the battle against Riven. Is that correct, uh, Blue? Is it uh, accurate that Eris Morn was also instrumental in the help against the war in the Dreaming City and the defeat of Riven? Uh, I wouldn't say she was instrumental. I mean, she. there is a reference to her within the Truth to Power uh, that... She is supposedly trying to communicate with us. Uh, both you can go back and forth on whether or not that actually is Eris or if it's, you know, Dolankaru or Savathun or, you know, something of that nature of Coria or whatever. Because uh, Truth to Power is a bit of a enigma in and of itself. <clears throat> but um, like that was that was really the only big mention of Eris within the Dreaming City components. Uh, and then there was the the dispute of that claim was within stolen intelligence within, uh, I believe it was Forgeries, the entry, which was written by Felchurch. And Felchurch kind of points out that it prob- that that whole thing was probably not Eris because we they do know some history of Eris. And so that does not compute with what was being said. So there there is a comp- there's a disagreement in the lore as far as like Eris's involvement within the components there. Um but yeah, I mean like I don't know if you I don't know if she would if you would classify her as being instrumental for that particular battle. I think she's always she's like been behind the scenes, like helping, assisting from you know where she has been and everything. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, like, I definitely, I, I definitely can see that. Like, I, I think from behind the scenes, like support and stuff like that. Yes, but I mm-hmm. don't know again if she was like an active member of anything that's going on within the Dreaming City as far as we see it today or in game. Right. Yeah, and now what role do you think that Eris will play in the upcoming expansion of Shadowkeep? Do you think that she is going to be the main character that will tell the story 
behind the attacks that are happening and the nightmares? What what role will she fit in? I mean, I think I think yeah, I think that's exactly the role she'll fit in. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure what where that all surfaced. Like <laughs> Moon's haunted. That kind of just came right. That, yeah, <laughs> you just hear it everywhere now. Moon's haunted. <laughs> Now, do you think that the darkness is involved in whatever is happening that's corrupting the moon? Um, I mean, short answer, yes. Long answer, I mean, I think that the light and dark are instrumental components of the, the universe of Destiny. So, I mean, a bit of a longer answer is no matter what happens, of course, they're going to be involved. Um, you got to have something I mean, to do, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I think I think it's like, you know, it, again, it's the whole thing of like. Do, I mean, what's what's the definition of darkness as far as like what what are you considering there? Um, you know, as far as like what a a fundamental aspect of the the universe as it's explained i would say yeah um if it's like the literal physical whatever that darkness force is um no i don't know necessarily if that's involved it's it does there was the comment that was made that the darkness is closer than we think um and then we also see with like the the recent Lumnia quest uh, with Shin and the the creation of Lumnia from Rose, you know, how <clears throat> that story has progressed to include darkness as well. Um, so again, I, I, I mean, yes, but I'm not sure if it's necessarily what everyone thinks of when they say darkness. Yeah, because it, it seems like it got, it like went away in the beginning of Destiny 2, and everything and now you know we're getting hints that the darkness is you know then coming back you know it's coming back and everything you know it's right just the way the way the terminology was at the beginning of destiny 2 and everything but it it just seems like you know just like you said even in the vidoc they said what they said the darkness is closer than you think and everything so yeah, no, absolutely. And also, let's not forget about the Black Garden raid. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that we think Eris will be tied into the raid that we'll be playing on the Black Garden? I know the Vex will be there. <laughs> I know we're going to... Yeah, I mean, and, and you also have the Black Heart, right? I mean... Yeah, if, but it's the heart. We're, if, yeah. We're going, if we're going to go to that component of it... Um, I think that's going to be a very interesting thing to see is if the black heart is going to be a major component again within the raid. Yeah. I'm so interested to see that, you know, just like that environment from what they showed in that, uh, Vidoc, like it just looks amazing. It looks mm -hmm. incredible. Like it just be able to see that again and everything reimagined like in destiny 2 is going to be awesome yeah no absolutely and i'm 
really excited to play through the new content with Shadowkeep and to see the role that Eris Morn plays. I think she's going to be a very important character along our journey as Guardians. And it's going to be really fun to go back to the moon and go back to the Black Garden and play through and new raids and new places that we'll get to explore. So I'm really excited to see what a Bungie-made Destiny really looks like and without any limits of an outside publisher. And are we getting, just like I said earlier, are we going to see the resurface of the Exo Stranger and everything? You know, because yeah, the last Bray. time we talked to her, we were fighting in the Black Garden and everything, so... You know, that was the last time we saw her when she gave us the stranger's rifle back in uh, Destiny 1. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And I guess we uh, talked about Eris Morn. Is there anything else that you uh, guys want to mention about Eris Morn before we move on to the Bungie Weekly Update? Just super happy she's back. Yeah, like, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really excited to see Eris Morn come back in the game and to learn more about the lore. I think that these last few seasons in Destiny, we got some of the best lore that we've ever had in the game. So I'm really excited to, to see where the creative team takes the lore behind Eris Morn and the Hive and where she's been and how she's going to play a, a key role in our journey along the way. So it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, Cadge brought up a good point. He uh, wonders if it will be visiting the Rubicon again, where the original gate to the Black Garden is, or if we'll find a gate elsewhere. Because that was on, yeah, it was on Mars. I have side of the uh, Rubicon Waste, I think, yeah. Somewhere around that area. Are we going to go back to the exclusion zone? What do you think, Blue? <laughs> <laughs> I hear that there's something that that's important there. I guess that was their failsafe. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm -hmm. gentlemen, let's talk about the Bungie weekly update or this week at Bungie. And we got an earlier update from Bungie than we normally do. So that was pretty nice to see. Uh, certainly gave us a little bit more time to prep for the episode. And we know that the moments of triumph are now live and the tribute hall is now open. Along with the Tribute Hall, we have a new Bad Juju quest line. Now, have you gentlemen uh, done the quest to get the Bad Juju? I have gotten my Bad Juju. Nope. It's a pulse rifle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Not a big pulse rifle fan, Blue? Nah, I'm not like, I mean, I'll probably I'll probably end up getting it anyways, just because, you know, it's, an it's really good in D2. Yeah, 
Eh, eh, it's a pulse rifle. I had this argument. I had this argument with the group that I was playing with. Uh, I think it was not last night, but the night before they they got really offended because I was like, yeah, it's a pulse rifle. They're like, but it's the bad shooter. I'm like, yeah, it's still a pulse rifle. Like, it's just not going to you're you're not going to win this argument with me. Um, what is it you don't like about the pulse rifle? I'm, I'm, I just I'm don't curious. like them. I just don't like them. I just like I'm so used to the scout rifle. Like if I pull the trigger, I want one shot to go somewhere, and that's where I want it to go. I don't want a pulse so rifle that's like blah, 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 blah. like the BR in Halo is what you're saying. I was I'm not a huge fan of the BR. Um, in Halo Five, the BR is not terrible, um, but I do like the DMR a lot better. I'm much more comfortable with the DMR, um, uh, especially if we play SWAT like pretty much constantly. Uh, and so like we like my brother and i we gravitate towards the the dmr uh just simply again because it's just feels a little bit more accurate um right the br is for panic shots when you don't know what you're doing because (laughs) it's like you just spray and play um but yeah the dmr we we tend to do better with uh when we play swat with the dmr um which i mean yeah it's just to me i just like the single shot idea like i don't even really like scout rifles with auto fire because it does the same it it has the same problem in my brain like i hold it down i'm like oh that's not at all where i aimed um yeah (laughs) i mean i like it i like the way it looks i'll give it that it's really pretty yeah it's a pulse rifle the quest is fun too. Have you done like? Do- I, I, yeah, I've started. I've started the quest. It's like super expensive, but yeah, I've started. I've started <laughs> the quest. I just, I just got the uh, Lumina quest done. Um, oh, nice! And so I'm working. Actually, I, it was really funny as I was doing the Lumina quest. The because uh, I don't play Gambit at all. Um, good. That's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a hard pass on like all fronts. But it was like, oh, you have to do this. Or what is it? The not on my watch metal. Oh, which, yeah. Yeah. You it was like that. it was yeah. it was really funny because like I, they they dragged me into a normal Gambit game. I, I've only played Gambit Prime. So they dragged me into the normal Gambit. And like the first game we got, I got like three of the not on my watch medals. I was like, I don't understand. OK. They're like, just shoot the guy outline in red. I'm like, I did. He's dead. They're like, yeah, okay, you're done. Yeah. I'm like, all right, all right. That was not bad. They were, they were doing you a solid, basically. I have no idea. Well, it, I don't, I, yeah, I have no idea. I, I don't know if they were doing, because he was, yeah. Anyways, so we got that. But then that same game, I guess we got the, is it the meatball or whatever. So I got the Malfeasant quest kickoff as oh, well. Nice. So I'm working, I'm working on that as well. I'm like, I'm like the worst person when it comes to exotic quests because I don't like, I, I think the only exotic that I prefer is Wishender and Risk Runner. Like I, I much rather, I gravitate more towards exotic armor than gra- or exotic weapons. I don't, I don't know why. Um, but so like, they're like, oh yeah, you mm. need to get this hand cannon. I'm like, I don't use hand cannons. They're like, but you need to get it. I'm like, I don't use hand cannons, but you need to get it. I'm like, fine, I'll go get whatever. What's the ace of spades? Ace of spades is like, I was like, all right, cool. It makes things blow up, but so does yeah. all my scout rifles right here that I have 50 of. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible with exotic weapons. So what so, you're yeah. saying is you would love to see another scout rifle, exotic scout rifle. Oh man, come. if they give me, if they give me an exotic scout rifle with 
with uh I, I can't remember it's firefly i don't know what it is in d2 dragonfly or whatever yeah um, i want firefly yeah. back oh Damn man it. firefly i don't know i don't know why i don't know why but firefly felt like it was more i don't, I have no idea no but it yeah, was fire, it, more explosions was it, for sure did it did it have more explosions okay i was i'm not oh, insane my favorite, one of my one of my favorite guns from destiny one was icebreaker just simply because that thing oh God, just yes. was like it was like shooting a truck because you never knew where the recoil was going to take you. But if you hit the first shot, everything blew yeah. up. Yeah. that's like, what, Oh my God. Yeah. Everything blew up. <laughs> I know. It's like, it and they're so hesitant to shit. give it back to us. I bet. I'm, just like, like, I'm like, what, oh. what, like I was talking about this with a couple people at garden. God, I was like, you know, what would be so cool in destiny Two now that we have like a little bit more processing power on the consoles or PC or whatever is like, you know, reading the lore of Icebreaker, it was always like, this thing might explode. I'm like, no, no, we should do that. We should have like every random shot, your gun like explodes and yeah. like you, your guardian, your guardian down. Like, I mean, I just, I would, I would still use, I would use the, the ever living bejesus out of that gun, even, even knowing that risk. It was like the, uh, what was the, uh, was it the Crota Sparrow? Or there was one of the oh, sparrows that the, you got. Um, that the one from, the tiebreaker from uh yeah tiebreaker oh yeah. my gosh you'd be flying and it just go and you just it, like spontaneous explode because yeah. it had like the super like <laughs> super speed on it like super nitrous guardian oxide oh my gosh so yeah oh man but yeah yeah do you think they're gonna bring the icebreaker back maybe this fall or sometime in the near future I think it's all going to come back eventually. Like, you know, they, I, they I have, think they're it, no strangers yeah. to bring this stuff back. So I think it's going to be I one mean, of the last ones come back, but I think it will. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, I think with, with, you know, bad juju, ace of spades, you know, all these, all these guns that are kind of coming back. Um, I think that they are recognizing that there are like very strong favorites from destiny one. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not going to be the, the same, you know, whatever. But mm -hmm. yeah, I just, oh, yeah. One can I hope. just love one that can, sound. One can hope. I love that uh, sound. The, the, the icebreaker. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It's a freaking hedge trimmer. Like, that was the <clears throat> best part of that entire gun was I just, it was my first exotic that I got in Destiny 1 was icebreaker. And it was like, and that was one of those things where it was like, it's all downhill from here because I've never taken <laughs> this gun off. Then I got Mida, and you know whatever. Mida was yeah, fun. Mida Multi was one of my favorites for the longest time. Yeah, it feels. It, I don't know. It felt. It feels different in D two. I felt like it. It's yeah, not as right. not as fun. But yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the, How did you feel about the Boolean Gemini in uh, D one? Do you remember that one? I don't think I ever got that one. Hmm. Or I might yeah. have, but I never used it because I probably was already running. Uh, cause I used, uh, hung jury when I got a hung jury, when I got the hung jury from dead orbit with the triple tap. Oh yeah. It was Firefly, over. After that. I was like, yeah. I was like, yep. Well, this is staying right here. Yeah. Like this is not going anywhere. Just, um, just like corn. He had his, um, uh, vision of confluence on forever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So ever, like, I, I mean, similar, off. similar to when I finally got the fate bringer that dropped, I was like, yep. Nope. All right. So like so there like there would be like once every six months that I'd get a gun that I was like, okay, this is gonna be my new favorite forever. 
and then you know six months later i'd get a new favorite forever i'm i'm the exact same way and you know what interestingly enough uh, my go-to shotgun is still the Iglos. I love that shotgun to this day. Where uh, I will it not looks use amazing. Like oh, I, yeah. I'm, I'm a sucker for aesthetics with the guns, um, and like all of the Iglos weapons, I really actually kind of, I kind of like. Similar to the uh, Curse of Osiris weapons, like that, that kind of cobbled together look. I really like that aesthetic. Which I mean, Bad Juju does have that aesthetic. Like, I, I will admit, Bad Juju looks really cool. It's just a pulse rifle, though. So I'm like, eh, it looks pretty. Can I hang it on a wall and not touch it? Because that'd be cool. Yeah, you're just not a big fan of the pulse rifle archetype. So yeah, 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 the, yeah. The 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 mech the the actual mechanism of the gay or the the gun is what bugs me about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely understandable. Now, besides the bad juju quest, we did also learn during the Bungie Weekly update or this week at Bungie that uh, Solstice of Heroes will be coming back later this summer, and that's when some of the triumphs that we see with Moments of Triumph, they're not appearing just yet, but they will be available later this summer. And also, Bungie did a pretty nice recap of Guardian Con this year, and of course, Blue was in attendance. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you also attend a lore panel during the event? Yeah, uh, Green and I were actually on the panel, uh, which we're hoping. I think we're trying to we're trying to find the video feed, but it's on um, the Twitch archive right now. We're trying to figure out a way to get that to everybody on a YouTube on on YouTube, either for Bife, uh, Ishtar, or ourselves, or I guess Mylan. Technically, we'll probably be getting it as well. Um, but as soon as we get that video, then we'll we'll post that out on social media. Awesome, and we'll make sure to include that in the show notes of this episode so our audience can check out your panel from uh, GuardianCon. And we know that uh, next year's um, event will no longer be called GuardianCon. It will be called GCX, or the Gaming Community Expo. And uh, that's going to be taking place... Next year same, on June twenty seventh, twenty eight. Yeah, yep. Saturday. Uh, so they're moving. Week earlier. They're moving, it, they're moving it. They're moving it from a Friday Saturday to a Saturday Sunday. Uh, but they also are not going to do it over the Fourth of July weekend, which is going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Good choice. Yes. Good choice. Yes. It was. It. It might have been a common statement um but it's also going to be at the same place so it's actually going to be really cool because that location is a really nice that location place looks Very amazing nice. from it was, all the pictures i saw it, it was it was one of the weirdest things like you could literally i nearly went the entire weekend without leaving that entire that hotel um they have 12 restaurants inside the hotel uh, and there's like three pools like there. I mean, all the amenities are just amazing. Um, it's just like, and just, and it was a great place. It was a great fit for that entire thing. It looked like a really put together event this year. Um, I think that, uh, the people who 
are responsible for Guardian Con. They did a really great job putting on an amazing convention. And I it's really agree. also cool to see. Um, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no I was just saying, uh, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and it was also really great to see how involved Bungie was in the event. And it almost feels like every single year, they're more and more involved with community events like Guardian Con and um, different uh, charities and things like that. So they've been doing a really great job with uh, community outreach. Yeah, the um, the footage they showed off of Shadow Keep was uh, looked looks great. I cannot wait to get in there and be doing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, this year at Guardian Con, there were several things that took place. We had the Bungie opening ceremony that will be available on Twitch. And uh, we'll try to find the link for that and include that in the show notes as well. And also the uh, much anticipated whisper slash zero hour right along that will also be available on Twitch. And we will try to provide the links to those things as well. Uh, Blue, did you get a chance to attend either the opening ceremony or the whisper uh, slash zero hour right along? uh no i didn't uh we were right so we were on the floor during the whisper um but where we were it was really like the audio was really hard to hear and it was one of those things where we we caught at the very beginning they're like oh this is gonna be on youtube i'm like got it and that was all i paid attention like it's it's when there's that much going on around me i find it really difficult to pay attention to stuff like specific things that are going on and um yeah, that was just as soon as I heard that it was like, oh, we got we're going to put it on YouTube and we're going to, you know, archive it and all that. I'm like, OK, awesome, because I'm going to be able to hear it much better on YouTube than way back in the room where I could barely, I couldn't really hear, you know, the panel was on the stage, which was across the room. Um, and then the opening ceremony. Uh, no, because I was preparing for our panel that day. So, no. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> Understandable. You guys were pretty busy. Now, uh, what was your panel about? What did you guys talk about? Uh, we basically, it was predominant. We had Jonathan Toe on uh, with us. And so he is the uh, one of the writers at Bungie who is responsible for Shacks and the Drifter. And so we had him mostly talk about the process. And there were some questions. Most of the questions were more about like, how to write like what was put into the writing what was you know going on in the in the the studio at the time of the writing and stuff like that um so it was it was more about like the process which was really cool uh more about that necessarily and there were there was a few predictions there might have been a moment where i pissed off the entire crowd um you know as i do uh but there was there was you know that was not as much as the um the focus was mostly you know with jonathan and it's got to be such a cool experience to get to sit down with a bungee developer and talk to them and get to pick their brains yeah it's it is i mean again it's it's a lot of fun just any of the guys and gals from bungee just like that entire team 
you know, both both the people who actually work with Bungie, the the contractors that are, you know, contracted out, like the voice actors or the, you know, John Goff is a contract writer. Um, any of them that they have, they've just done a really good job of keeping that group of people just really good. Like they're just they're really good people. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that the Bungie team, they're so passionate about their work. Like you can tell during the Vidocs how passionate they are and how much they care about the game during their interviews, during their conversations on social media, during podcasts, wherever. You can tell how much they care about the game. And I think the Destiny community is such a strong and passionate community that cares deeply about the Destiny franchise. And um, we also had this uh, past Guardian Con, the world's first titles that were presented during a, uh, I want to say it was like a dinner slash this award ceremony. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was right, right. Yeah, it was, I think I want to say it was the second day that they did that. Okay. Now, were you able to attend the uh, world's first ceremony? No, I will, again, it was during like when, so like normally I didn't really go to any of the panels other than one that I was on um, because most of the time if I wasn't in one of those theaters, I was actually kind of going around the group and trying to help with different booths and stuff like that. Um, so no, I didn't get, I got to like, I got to see it, but again, because the size of the room, um, the actual, uh, the panels and the stuff were on the other side. So it was really difficult to hear them. How many people would you say were there this year? Uh, I want to say the total was, I want to say Kevin put a total of like 9,000. Pretty good. It's pretty good. A lot of people. Yeah, that's that's quite a big crowd. And um, did you get to see the big show at all? Yeah, actually, uh, when we were at dinner the first night, he was right across the room from us. So we got to say hi as we passed him. How how tall is the big show? He's massive. Like, he's a very large person. <laughs> yeah i remember as a as a kid growing up watching wrestling and I, I remember the big show uh wrestling back 15 20 years ago it's been quite some time now and uh, it's really cool to see him be so active in the destiny community and be so supportive of the game and actually enjoy the game so that's that's pretty awesome to see that and we also had another really big figure, I would say, in our community, and that was Morla uh, Gornadona, who is the voice actress for Eris Morn. And she was also present at Guardian Con this year. And from everything that I'm hearing, she signed a lot of autographs that weekend. Yeah, she, she, she did not leave the, the booth. She was she was pretty much there all day. Did she do a lot of impression? Like, did she do a lot of her voices? Like, did people ask uh, her? No, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people who asked her, but like, not a lot. Um, 
like because i know i know she said that someone had asked her to do the omnigol scream and she was like no like i can't <laughs> like it that like the story it's of that scream oh wow she's probably like yeah she's like, <laughs> well that and like it it like the way that she, it tore up her throat too like she couldn't she only do it so often um and then you yeah. know obviously because there's there's audio engineering going on behind the scenes as well for some of that stuff um but yeah like i mean she she tends to switch into eris's voice like kind of already so it's not like a huge shift for her but um yeah no she there was a lot of like there were there were some fun things that she got asked to sign to i know there was a box of raisins and a rock <laughs> uh was was two of the funnier ones that that i saw a rock <laughs> that's awesome that was pretty cool and and again we know that the date was confirmed for next year's guardian con which will be now called the gaming community expo and it's coming june 27th 2020 and june 28th 2020 at the rosen shingle creek in orlando florida that's the name of the place yep yeah. oh, okay and uh, yeah, do check them out. I believe the website is guardiancon.com, if I'm not mistaken, but we'll shoot a link and give them a shout out in the show notes of this episode. And we also know that there were a couple of issues that are going on in Destiny right now. Uh, first, we know that the Ryzen 3000 chips are officially out. And with them being out, we know that there are quite a few issues that are going on with Destiny not launching on the PC version of the game with the Ryzen 3000 chip. Uh, Bungie did confirm that they are investigating the issue, and they will post an update on Bungie.net. Um, in addition to that, there is a some confusion going on with a triumph called High Roller Triumph. That's part of the Moments of Triumph. And we know that uh, first, a player must complete a Nightfall with a minimum score of 100,000. Um, secondly, players must complete a loadout of weapons and armor from any of the following sources equipped. And it could include the Leviathan, Eater of Worlds, Spire of Stars, the Menagerie, and Crown of Sorrow Raid. And uh, they also talked about a few other uh, issues that are going on with Forsaken. Um, you can read more about that in the weekly update at Bungie.net, and it is out now. And to conclude the weekly update, um, I believe it was DMG who uh, wrote this one this week, and he stated that we're on the Seek and Destroy mission to eliminate bugs and ensure a smooth launch in September. Exciting times, to say the least. But we're looking forward to sharing more details with you soon. Cosmo and I are planning some deep dive twabs between now and launch to give you a clearer view of the changes coming to Destiny 2. Until then, we've still got some fun in store for the remainder of the season. 
waiting for you in the Solstice of Heroes event. More to come soon. And that was the Bungie weekly update, or This Week at Bungie, for this week. And we do have a tradition on the show where we rate the Bungie weekly update from one to five spicy tuna rolls, one being not too good and five being really bomb spicy tuna rolls. And uh, Blue, do you want to rate this weekly update first? I mean, I'm going to give it a five just simply because Guardian Con was included and they did a really good job of putting a picture green on there. So, yeah. <laughs> that's cool yeah <laughs> awesome and shadow price do you have a rating that you'll give this weekly update how many spicy tuna rolls um i think i didn't go to guardian con but i you know did see some of the things that came out of there and it was really cool and you know this it was nice for them to recap it in the twab and you know just talk about the next game and community expo happening that we will be attending next year and uh yeah so i'll go a little bit lower good information you know awesome that they're working on shadow keep and they're you know it's heads down everybody's like full throttle head there bungee so i'll give it a four Okay, and I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5 spicy tuna rolls because uh, green was on there and also because, again, Guardian Con was a really big event and it's really great that they are going to include so many awesome uh, things that took place at Guardian Con. We're going to get the feed from the... Um, uh, the ride-along mission, and also we're going to get um, more content from Guardian Con that's, that will be coming in the game. I almost kind of wish that they included the links already in the videos embedded in the weekly update so we can watch those things right there on the update. So that's kind of my only criticism of the update. Um, I kind of wish those links were right there so I can just watch what happened at guardian con but i'm sure it's going to be up pretty soon and it was such a positive event in our community so um i'm going to give this update a 4.5 out of 5 spicy tuna rolls and on that note um i think we've come to a point where we can wrap up the show and before we let you go blue where can we learn more about you and focused fire chat and the lore network uh, well, so each of us have our own uh, Twitter accounts. Um, I'm at Blue Crew 86, just all B-L-U-E-C-R-E-W-8-6. And then uh, Focus Fire Chat is at Focused Fire Chat, all one word. Uh, and the Lore Network is at The Lore Network uh, on Twitter as well. We do have a Discord server with Focus Fire Chat. Uh, all those links are all on that Twitter account for Focus Fire Chat. Uh, the Lore Network also has some information on the Twitter account, but most of the information about that is going to be on our website, which is www.the lordnetwork.com and um yeah that's pretty much where you're going to find most of most of the information and links kind of branch out from all there and then also sorry the focus fire podcast uh we are hosted on podbean but you should be able to find us on itunes spotify stitcher google play i'm 
sure I'm forgetting somebody's favorite podcast app. Any podcast app out there, uh, pretty much it gets fed from the iTunes. So we're on iTunes, so it should be out there. And if you have any questions, just ping us on Twitter or in our Discord, and we'll we'll get you a link. Very cool. And Shadow Price, where can we learn more about you? You can follow me on Twitter at ShadowPrice79. And you can also find me on the Destiny Show podcast every week. Very cool. And you can find the Destiny Show podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Anchor, and the list goes on. You can also find us live every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv forward slash the Destiny Show. We're also live on the web at www destinyshow.com and now we also have a patreon where you can support the show directly and get really cool things in return and you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash the destiny show you can also follow us on twitter for the latest updates at the destiny show and thank you so much guardians for tuning in for another episode of the destiny show podcast part of the robots radio network make sure to subscribe to our channel and leave a review on your favorite app and we cannot wait to see you next week guardians to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Hello. Hi. Do you like bad movies? Do you find yourself defending bad movies, saying things like, well, the soundtrack was okay, or the costumes were pretty fun? From the previous hosts of It's Not That Bad podcast, we bring you Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast, from Simone LaRue and Chad Ekovitz. Every week, we review two movies that did not do well critically, but we say, hey, there are some nice things about them. Maybe Rotten Tomatoes was wrong. Maybe they're all fools, and you should watch these movies regardless. We'll also talk about scenes that could have saved it, and we'll often refer to Simone's cats because they're amazing and adorable, and we love them. <laughs> and at the end of each review, we will tell you whether we would watch this movie again, or in what circumstances we would recommend you watch this movie. So, join us on July 9th for the first drop of our main episode, and then two days later for our drop of our minisodes. And on Robots Radio Podcast Network. Come see us on July 9th! We love you so much already! Bye! Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom! All in the Kroger app! Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.